people say a lot of stuff where they don't have a feeling about it. And I think a lot of people talk that way. A lot of people say what they think they're supposed to be saying or what they think the moment calls for. And then occasionally people say stuff that feels very, very real. That is Alex Bloomberg. And this is Tiny Conversations. I'm Brian Colley. If you don't know the name Alex Bloomberg, chances are you're familiar with some of his work. He's a former producer for radio shows like This American Life, Planet Money, and most recently, the podcast Startup. If you're still confused, that's okay. I recommend you go right after listening to this podcast and listen to some of his work. Alex's success in radio and podcasting can best be attributed to his ability to tell great stories. What's kind of awesome is that he quite generously will tell you what he believes makes a good story, emotion and anecdote. At a recent talk at CBC, I heard Alex go on about these two things, and I thought about how afraid I can feel before interviews and how exhausted I often feel afterwards. I really respect Alex's work and I really admire his honesty. After the conversation, I decided to get his contact details and call him up so I could ask him about how he goes about collecting emotional stories and maybe some of the personal toll he feels in collecting those stories. And I do apologize in advance. The audio quality isn't great. Okay, here's that conversation. Hello, Brian. Hey, Alex. What's up? I'm wondering if... If there was a moment, when that moment was, when you figured out that emotional stories work best on radio? I, I mean, there's two, I guess, basically two, two real moments. The first was, like, I, I got, you know, when I first started working in This American Life, um, I was a producer there, and sort of early on, back when the show was still in Chicago, and it was like, I think I'd only been there, like, a year or so. So I was probably 33, 34. Ira got a couple of us in, in the room and I remember it was late at night and it was almost like an afterthought. He was like, you know, I go around and I give these talks about sort of audio and what I think about it. And he, and it, and it was like, and it occurred to me that you guys might be interested in hearing some of the stuff that I say. And we were all like, yeah, absolutely. And so he, he played some sections of like the talk that he gave. And I remember there was a piece from like this early story that he'd done for NPR called Dead Animal Man about a guy whose job it was to go and scrape the dead animals off the city streets in DC. Um, and he played, he played a couple other things. And he, and he was the one who sort of told me this stuff about um, the sequence of action, the rising action, um, and then the, the sort of like yeah, so the punch blind and then the, the, the reflection moment afterwards. Like I remember him saying, the good thing about radio is that a story can happen in the past and it can feel present, um, especially if, if if people are emotionally present when they're telling it. And I remember hearing that and thinking, like, and nodding and feeling like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's like a really good, that's a really good piece of advice. <laughs> you said something really interesting there. Uh, that that Ira mentioned, and you've brought it up as well, and about when someone's telling a story, if they're emotionally present, what does that mean for you? People say a lot of stuff where they don't have a feeling about it, you know? Um, most of the stuff that you hear is like stuff that people don't have a feeling about. It doesn't feel real. I don't know. It just, it just sounds like... It just sounds different. It sounds... Um, more authentic, it sounds more vivid. You hear it and it resonates with you. It's like the difference between 
somebody's told the same story over and over and over again. You can sometimes hear it, you know, where they, they, it has this rehearsed quality to it. Or if, like the way politicians talk a lot, where it's like, it just doesn't feel like anything. It just sounds like words that they're saying that they don't believe and nobody believes. And it's just sort of like it's all part of like an act, you know? And I think a lot of people talk that way. Like a lot of people say what they think they're supposed to be saying or what they think the moment calls for. And then occasionally people say stuff that feels very, very real. Like they'll have a memory that's like, emotional or surprising or they're, or they're it's like so they have an honest question in their voice like and it's just different and has a different register to it you know totally yeah do you remember any particular interview where you were just kind of going oh now now i'm getting it now i'm i've like i'm finally getting like that i'm getting that emotional tape i mean i haven't gotten tape in a long time uh but in, in startup, you know, we kept going to all these meetings, you know, these investor meetings, and people don't, even when they, they don't, they don't ever say no, they don't give you a straight answer. They're like, it's really interesting. Like, you know, come back and let's talk when you're for that long, or, you know, can you give me this thing? Or like, I, I, I want to think about it, but let's talk. Like, I love the idea. You know, nobody would ever say like, yes or no. And I remember we had this meeting with this investor the second time we'd had this meeting and I, and I was just like basically forced them to sort of like, are you in or are you out, you know? And I just asked it a couple of times and finally the kids answered. One of the guys who was there was like, no. And you could hear that it was like a little uncomfortable for him to say, but it felt very real. And like he, had, he sort of explained why and he just said it doesn't feel like venture scale business to me and he gave all these reasons why and it was like it wasn't like classic emotional tape like it wasn't like he was crying but it felt like it was a real moment you know what I mean like he was actually saying what he believed <laughs> why did you push so hard in that moment it's like a natural drama like that's the question that's hovering over the whole exchange I just knew that I needed like a real honest answer to that question and I just didn't want him to weasel out of it anymore well yeah and then also you you know you're, you're there, you're part of it. That's got to be... Yeah, I was there and I was part of it and I was curious myself. But at that point, like, it was more like... I think at that point I was more doing it for, like... I just knew that I needed it for the for the story, too. You know, I knew that I needed to force him. I think I'd gone to a bunch of these meetings already and I hadn't necessarily forced, forced it. Actually, I don't think... I actually don't think I pushed that hard now that I'm remembering. It was the same question I asked... Everybody, are you in or you out? And it often was a good question. Like, it's, a, it's an unusual question. Like, most of those times, those, those meetings, they don't, they don't get asked that question. But this one, they just, you know, he just, I think it was just like, I think I might have gone back one more time, you know, just sort of like, yeah, but tell me, you know, what do you think? And they just, he just gave an honest answer. It was nice. Yeah, I think part of what makes emotional tape is also like, you know, it comes from like asking somebody a real question. Like, I often feel like there's a central question that's hovering over an exchange that's like, a lot of times you can just figure out what the essential question is, you can you can get to the honest answer. Um, and with that exchange, the essential question was pretty straightforward. You know, it, it was like, are they going to give us money or not? Like, if you're listening to that on the, on, on the radio, you're going to, that's the answer you're going to want to, that's what you're thinking. Often, like, the essential question is really uncomfortable to ask also. <laughs> It's uncomfortable either because like it feels too basic and stupid or because it's like it feels like uncomfortable to go into that emotional territory. What's one of the most uncomfortable questions you've had to ask in an interview? 
one of the very first radio stories I ever did was like about um, medical ethicists who actually worked in hospitals. And basically, the medical ethicists, it's like your job is to sort of like decide a lot of the time, like help people decide to discontinue treatment or not. Um, and they're like sort of trained in philosophy and other disciplines, but they're but they're but they're being asked to sort of decide these quite literal life and death issues. And um, I was following around this one medical ethicist who was also a doctor, but he'd been trained in medical ethics as well. And there was this case of this woman whose father had sort of become suddenly ill, and he was he just lapsed into this coma, and nobody knew why. And he was, you know, he was elderly, but he was like he'd been in very good health, and and it was this long, sort of torturous process where she had to decide like what to do. And he had a do not resuscitate order, but it was unclear what that meant, and. And so it was just like a couple of months of them wrestling with what to do, and she would go in and she would sometimes talk to him, and I was sort of agonizing because every once in a while he would sort of squeeze her hand, and then she was like, well, maybe I don't want to discontinue treatment, but then she knew that that was his wish. She wouldn't have wanted a ventilator. We were both sort of crying, you know, as she was talking to me about it. And it was just like very uncomfortable just to sort of not say anything as she was sitting and talking about her dad and crying. And I, I remember asking her when you talked to him, like, what do you say to him? Take the, the, the interview you did with the, the medical ethicist and, and you're, you're sitting there. And as you said, it's very uncomfortable. How, how do you make the choice to repeatedly, willingly go into those scenarios? I, I mean, it's hard. You know, it's exhausting. Uh it's really, really exhausting to do it. It takes a lot of emotional energy and, and like, you know, when it works, it's really great. You know, it feels very compelling and, and, you know, you get these great scenes and like, she was happy with it. Like, I think for her, it felt like the, the woman who I was following was like, I think really, really pleased with how the story turned out. So it's like, it's, it's okay. Like to do it, but it's just, it's just, scary, you know, and you just got to sort of set yourself up and just tell yourself that, like, if you can just be brave enough and present enough to, like, ask the question, it'll yield something to it. You know, when you go into these interviews and it, you know it's going to be emotionally difficult or you have to get to an emotional, emotional place, it requires um, bravery, how do you find that for yourself, personally? How do you find the energy to just do this? I don't know. I mean, I think it's more like, I just felt like it was like the terror of, I mean, when I was doing it to this American life, it was the terror of not coming back with, of coming back without something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, of doing a bad job. And then, I mean, part of it is like, yeah, I mean, whatever, it's hard, but it's not actual bravery. You're just asking a stupid question. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like telling yourself, like, what's the worst that can happen? Because the thing that you're afraid of is that people are going to, like, get mad at you or something. But the more, but they don't, you know? If you're just asking a question, people are okay with you asking a question. And the more straightforward you are about it, the better. Talking to people is hard, and there's a whole reason we have small talk, because it's tiring to emotionally engage with people. And so when you choose to do it, it's just, it's just, tiring and emotionally difficult and taxing and it's never easy i don't think it's ever been easy in my experience the questions that you most want most don't want to ask are probably the questions you should ask generally and uh it's hard (laughs) 
Alex's company, Gimlet Media, produces three amazing podcasts, Reply All, Startup, and Mystery Show. Each one is absolutely incredible, and I recommend subscribing to all three. Startup's current season is really a treat. If you haven't done so already, you can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or really anywhere podcasts are available. You can also reach me at brian at tinyconversations.com. That's Brian with an I. Or by going to our website, tinyconversations.com. There you can also find past episodes and hear the full unedited conversation I had with Alex. Okay, that's it from me. Like I said, I'm Brian Colley. Thanks so much for listening.